It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Chris. And our tactics guy and a man who's on the edge. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Kill me. <laughs> it does feel a little like that. Um, before we get stuck into the abject misery that is supporting Tottenham Hotspur... I just wanted to say thank you for the very long and thoughtful emails to Peter King, Mike G, Sam Cooper, Alex Nathan, John Youngblood, Jack Kirby Lowe, Harry Tateson Stokes and Daniel Widener. We really appreciate it. Um, We don't always have a chance to send equally long replies, but um, your thoughts are really appreciated. Also, and I've meant to say this for ages... Uh, Tim Vasek or Vacek, I'm so sorry, Tim, uh, made a really lovely video of his family trip to London and it featured clips of our podcast, which was really fun and really sweet and endearing. And um, he did a great job with the the trip of the, sorry, the video of the family trip. That uh, was lovely. So thanks for sharing that, Tim. Appreciate it. <sighs> we got to do this. Not only do we have to do this, we have to do this for an hour. Can you believe we're going to have to talk about this for an hour, lads? Um, North London Derby. I think, do you know what? I think there's two things that made this awful for me. Uh, the first, first was, goal and the the, well, goal. Well, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but sort of on a, on a, sure, um, sure, sure. a macro cool. level, uh, the first was that it was completely predictable as in the match happened exactly yeah. as I thought it would. And the second was that I am jealous of Arsenal and I fucking hate that feeling. Mm, like they yeah. have got right now everything that I want us to have. I, I, they've got a coach who's, who's been trusted to instill a philosophy and principles and is, has done that and is now reaping the benefits. They've got a team that play progressive, exciting, one and two touch football. They've got lots of homegrown players in their squad, like one of whom is an absolute star in Saka. Um, and their system allows like the player that has apparently transformed them this year, Gabriel Jesus, to not be there. And they bring in someone who's clearly not as good a player and they don't really see a drop off because 
the system is the system and, and it's all about the system rather than the individuals within it. And oh my goodness, to have something like that, it, it's, it's just what, it's what I want. It's what we dream of. And it's so fucking frustrating that it's them that have this now. And don't get me wrong, it's not going to last forever. Like, it's Arsenal. Something will go wrong eventually, right? But it's painful. It's painful to see it. I mean, they, they have a manager that everybody wanted to, to sack and a manager that stayed in place for three years and a manager that got 400, 500 million pounds and was able to rebuild a defence and a midfield and a strike force. So there is that, Wendy. It's not just that this has just kind of happened and it's been allowed. They, there was a, a fucking process to it, which they had to go through some real shit times. And they they arrived at this point by, by getting through it, not by calling to sack the manager immediately as soon as things turned bad, which it has. This is, it's gone bad, but it's like the first real time on the content it's gone bad. And now everybody's losing their minds. Sack him, sack him. I mean, yeah, fair enough, we can sack him. But if you want to be where Arsenal are, then you're going to have to wade through the mud for a little bit longer than four weeks. I think if you want to be where Arsenal are, you have to wade through the mud with a, a project manager. I don't think you can. I don't think you can bank on Conte sticking around for as long as Arteta has. And Conte and then... sticks around as long as he gets the players he wants and he's able to build the team he wants. He won't stick around if if you start selling the players from underneath him or not giving him the players that he wants. That's that's kind of what he does. He's not going to hang around just to to be abused because he's he's having to play idiots for majority of the season. I mean, Conte doesn't stick around longer than three years anywhere. Right. Okay, but it's only done a year here, so we've still got two years on on his contract. If he only does three years, he's only done a year here, so we've still got two years to go. He, but he's got months on his contract, right? He's got five, what, five months remaining? Maybe, but I, I believe that if you give him the players that he wants, he will stay. If he sees this as a, it, it may not be a long-term project, which, which everybody keeps harking for, which I, I don't think we're going to do that anymore. But if you give him at least a short-term project, then he'll stay for that. So Con- Conte himself has said several times that this is not a quick process. This is this is about investment over multiple windows. He said that as recently as like this month. Um, that this is going to take time, and yet we don't have the assurance that he's going to be around to see it through. So I don't like the position I'm in. I don't see how Levy can back that. Like Conte plays a very specific style. Um, he requires a specific type of player. He typically wants an older player who's more established, probably won some trophies, has some experience of of winning stuff. It's going to cost a lot of money, be on big wages, not going to have a lot of resale value. And yet he's only got five, six months left in his contract. I think that's really hard. I think Daniel Levy's in a really difficult position right now with half the transfer window left. Because what Daniel Levy will be thinking is, I need to make the decision now, which puts us in the best possible chance to qualify for the Champions League. Because qualifying for the Champions League gives us the money we need to maintain the spending at, at current levels. It, I wouldn't want to be him making this decision right now. It's not an easy one. I mean, Nathan hasn't said anything yet, so I'll, I'll let Nathan go, but I, I've got opinions. I've got so many fucking opinions. All I have is thoughts bouncing around my head the whole time. Yeah, I mean, to to, to Wendy's point about um, a project, like Arsenal invested pretty heavily, um, but not much heavier than us, if at all. Um, but it's the type of players they brought in. They brought in younger players. Yeah, they brought in. Um, let's do it. Actually, they've brought in. Um, okay, Thomas Party. Obviously, that's a difficult one to talk oh, about. Yeah. But Gabriel Magalhaes, Martin Odegaard, uh, Ben White, Aaron Ramsdale, Tommy Yasu, um, Fabio Vieira, Zinchenko. Um, okay, Gabriel Jesus. Not not that obviously a, a very developed player, right? Um, but it, it, yeah, it's that profile of players. Those aren't players who are going to make. Those exact players, aside from Gabriel Jesus, 
are going to be players that Conte wouldn't play. But I think it's it's more than just those players. It's the players that he was allowed just to bin off. Without Absolutely. Ha- without having to... We're, we've still got... Well, we, we, we've done we've the same. Look, but, like, Conte was allowed to bin off Lo Celso and Dombele, Delhi, like established yep. big players. He he had he had free reigns to clear them out. As, let's not use Delhi as a, an example of a of a player that could have been useful to us. Delhi is is a broken. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying I'm saying that he got his way with this. Like he didn't want them in his squad, and he was allowed to get rid of them. Like Mourinho wanted to move Delhi on, and Levy wouldn't let him. And now he let Conte move him on. Obviously, that's mainly just a chronological thing, right? Mourinho tried first, till he continued to regress, and then Conte could. But yeah. I think there's definitely something there. And yeah, and it's true. It's true of Arsenal too, right? So um, Gendouzi is a, a very good player that they had, mm-hmm. um, but he fell out. He moved him on. Um, Aubameyang, you know, things like that. That all of that applies. Um, but I don't think that's especially different to to the license that Conte's had to do to do similar. Um, and I appreciate that you know most of those players are actually still technically on the books; they're only out on loan. But the process is ongoing in, move, in moving them out. And you know, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he he does that, and and we support him both as a as a club support him and as a fan base largely support him on that. And then he comes out and says, "Oh, I haven't got any technical or creative players in my squad." And that's frustrating to me. But I think, yeah, in terms of, yeah, you know, similar similar power from the two coaches to move players on, similar amount of money spent. Um, but I think personally, um, more realistic um, selections in the players that they've gone for um, during this period of time. And that goes back again to, to the players brought under Nuno, to the players brought under um, Mourinho, younger players who are going to develop um, and, and improve and can be coached and are bought for a specific system. And it's the same system th- through the entire process rather than going, here's by, it's by these players who suit Mourinho. Mourinho yeah. sacked, let's buy these players that suit Nuno. Nuno sacked, let's buy these players that suit Conte. Yeah. Conte is going to run his contract out. And then we've got to continually keep buying, again, not young players, but players who are at PK to perform for the new system of the new manager again and again and again. Because like, what use is Emerson Royale once you sack Nuno? What use is um, God? Who do we buy under Mourinho? That's a Doherty. good example. Doherty. Well, Doherty's kind of done all right under Conte, right? But was was has struggled a lot along the way. Yeah, Maybe, yeah. And and then Perisic would be an example for Conte. Yeah, possibly. Who's very very good right now? But if we play, um, well, I mean, even even just with time, he's going to become a player that we have to move on. But mm-hmm. is you know, if we ever play with the back four. A lot of our squad is is misfit to that. I think that we look for a coach who can play back three next, so that's that's less of a you know. I think that we can mitigate ourselves, but the general trend is keep buying PKG players for a manager because we think that again we think we're Billy Big Bollocks and we think we can contend for trophies right now, and that's not a realistic examination of our situation. We've got to we've got to develop over time. I mean, I think we could probably play a back four with the new manager. Because I, I guess it is now. We will be getting a new manager. I think you can play a back four. Romero is excellent in a four. Sure. It just, it just means you've, you've, you've got to launch Dyer, Longley, Davies, all these guys into outer space and never see him again alongside Hugo. So who's your back four? Right. If I had to go change to go four three three now, I'd, I'd, well, I'd probably have to end up playing Davies, Davies, Longley, Romero and um, Royale, probably, if I had to do it right now. I think that's a pretty weak back four. I think that that's like closer to four centre backs than it is to to like I mean, a, an actual back four. I'm not saying we should do that. I said if we move into a back four, we have at least Romero who can transition into a back four. I don't. He's not definitely not wedded to a back three. 
I I hmm, I do actually think that he he's more of a back three player than a back four player. But you know he he's played back four for Brazil, for example. And it's not impossible for him. But I, but I think the general trend in the squad is that we we would be ill suited. You'd have to jettison out a lot of players. Maybe you already feel that we do need to jettison out a lot of players, right? Mm. So that's not a dramatic change, right? But um, yeah, we're buying a lot of specialist wing backs, and we're trying to get rid of the um the one specialist fullback that we have because he can't play as a wing back and, and and because we bought him to be a defensive right back who would play kind of like a center back under Nuno it's just yeah a continuous mess and 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 every time we fail um and we have to change our manager we make the situation worse because we keep compounding these misfits and there's no continuity between the types mm-hmm. of managers that we're hiring. There's some mm-hmm. system, system, systemic similarity between Mourinho and Conte, but that's basically by accident, right? Mm. I mean, I think I don't think we should sack Conte. I think we have to we have to give him the rest of the season at least. But, but the thing is, though, Bardi, how does Levy justify the expenditure that he'll need to back Conte? Because, like Nathan said, you make a decision to move forward. Your next coach will be one that's comfortable with a back three and wing backs. You make a decision. Tottenham needs to. Daniel Levy is a fucking prick. He needs to make a decision on what the future of this club's going to look like. So we're in this situation where we we flip flop from project to idiot manager to dinosaur to Conte. We've we've gone through all of this kind of stuff because Daniel Levy has no plan. So I don't think we should. I wanted to cut in that. I don't think we need to be feeling sorry for Daniel Levy because this is everything that's happening at Tottenham is fundamentally his problem. He's been at the club twenty years, which is why he needs to step back and offer cliff and let somebody else make these decisions so if we're going to fire Conte the next manager needs to be able to fit with the players that we got which is a back three and wing backs so um, I don't think we're going to get somebody in right now to fix that so you either give it to Ryan Mason and we might as well just set fire to the whole season or we try and go for a back three which we buy the players we need right now and then go towards the end of the season and see where we are yeah I mean this is this is kind of where I was at a couple of weeks ago we spoke about this after we had a, a terrible run um and I like Levy's got to decide. And this was this was New Year's Day, wasn't it, or the day after? This is right at the beginning of, of, of the month. And I said, like Levy has to decide today um, whether we are a club who bring in serial winners and contend for for the the two trophies um, immediately, and therefore he needs to spend a lot of money. Um, and Conte is the right manager for that. Or he needs to, I think more realistically, look at the budget that we can have and go for an up-and-coming manager, the next great manager, and buy younger players and be thinking three years ahead at a time. Mm. And and he's straddled that. It is January the 16th at the time of recording, and we have bought no players for Conte, and Conte hasn't signed a contract extension. So um, 15 further days have passed without any action, seemingly, in, in that department. Like you you can't you can't look at this situation with with the manager that we have knowing who he is the type of football that he plays and the demands that he has and say this squad is fine right now this can wait till the summer it it feels like he's trying to just sort of see it out until the summer see what the situation is like in the summer and then see whether we need to change the manager but the decision needs to be made now and whether that is um, maybe that takes the form of this is fucked. Um, we need a new coach. New coaches that I that are good that my director of football recommends. I mean, that's a whole other yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Aren't available into the summer, so we're just gonna not spend any money in January and let let this crash into the ground and and have a miserable remaining half of a season and then rebuild in the summer. If that's the decision he's made, obviously it's not been communicated and probably wouldn't be because you're undermining your coach, right? Um, 
that that's the only that's the only possible sort of um scenario in which he has acted on that decision because if he's decided anything else why haven't we bought any players yet yeah also like there's a lot of talk about project managers and everybody's looking at united as well but i ted hag's gone to united he's doing a great job he's yep. he's completely changed how they've gone but he went out mm-hmm. and signed himself a world-class defensive midfielder someone who would walk in casemiro walks into our team forget about the age and everything else he walks into our team and would instantly become our best central midfielder he signs him a 50 million pound center back as well to someone who could play his style of football knows what he's playing so he's gone out and signed him his barella his bastoni and then gone out and signed maybe they overspent on anthony but given him the winger that he wanted to do to be able to balance his team and just spurs haven't done that we haven't done it enough and, but, but, but Bardi, he did spend 150 million in the summer. He bought, he wanted Richarlison, and we we overpaid for Richarlison because that's who Conte wanted. He wanted Basuma. He, he wanted and, and we haven't even really used Richarlison in his best position. He has been injured half the time. That's and, true, but we haven't used him to take any minutes off Kane or Son, or no. maybe he's maybe been, half a game off Son. He's been played out on the right where he he doesn't look very effective, frankly. Yeah. And, and they went and signed, as, yeah. and Ten Hag got Ericsson as well, which would have been great for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think United have have stumbled into a successful formula here with uh, with Ten Hag and and then actually listening to what his needs are for the squad and delivering them you know i i i think they spent poorly i think they've way overpaid maybe you think that you do have to overpay for a for for a club and a coach of this magnitude right um i think they 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 spent quite poorly um but they spent so much and they have such a good coach that it's kind of worked out yeah but it, for for us to like spend 100 million on anthony yeah not the best winger in the area of that season um like that would be a colossal fuck up that we would we would not recover from from years right um uh, Malassia I think was was a, a poor signing or you know a, a pretty mediocre signing at best um you know there were there were better ways of arriving at the quality of Casemiro in midfields so they spent a hell of a lot of money for a an aged player who Real Madrid were happy to move on um Lissandra Martinez yeah fair enough done well there but they ever spent on Casemiro yeah. for sure but he he's an instant he's he's exactly the kind of player that Conte would want he's a title winning proven player who instantly just slips in and that's it he's, they don't need to they don't need to work on him there's something maybe he wanted Basuma I've, I've been really disappointed with Basuma whether that's Basuma yeah, the individual or, or Conte's management of him there's um yeah it hasn't it hasn't worked there I think the only player who seems to have come out of this week these last couple of weeks with any kind of dignity about him is Saar and um, where I question Conte is he, he pulls off Saar when it's clear that the whole game was passing Huyberg by. Brian Hill as well should maybe should have got a bit more minutes. I, I just can't, I don't understand why Son keeps playing. He, he's hoping that Son kind of forces his way out of this funk, but I, I just don't see it. I just don't see, I don't see him snapping out of this. So let, let's do, let's do this. Let's do a, a bit of a, a dive into the game because we've been talking around um, the situation at the club right now and we'll, we'll come back to that, but let's give it some context. Let's talk okay. about the, the match. Um, there were some surprises in the lineup. I think it's fair to say. I don't think any of us would have expected Sessegnon to start. Um, I mean, it was, it was a bit of a, a coin toss between Saar and Basuma, I think, were Bentancur not fit. Um, but I probably would have expected Basuma and Perisic to be the two that started rather than Saar and Sessegnon. Is that fair? Yeah, I agree. I think we said as much as well in our in our Patreon-only um, preview pod. Hmm. Nathan, any any explanations for why Sessegnon and Saar were the two? Um, I think that Saar has played better in at least the last few months than Basuma has. 
I don't think it's I don't think it's tactical. I think that Sars just playing at a better level. So we spoke about this before, right? Um, Basuma is a very good player who's been operating at a very good level in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, for years, he's clearly still struggling in some way with what the requirements of his role are under Conte. He's not performing to his level of previous seasons. Not, I don't think, because he has um, decreased in quality as a player, um, just because he's he's struggling in some way. You know, there's there's some particular nuance that, that isn't sitting right with him you know, or whatever. And then um, it's going fine for Saar. So, you know, I, I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Um Sessnyong over Perisic has got to be a defensive decision, I'm pretty sure. It's got to be um, whether that is... Because we, we looked like we wanted to press high in the first half, <laughs> um, but we failed. Um, so whether that is Sessnyong's a better presser or whether we anticipated spending a lot of time being pushed back, Sessnyong's a better one-on-one defender, and both those things I think are true. Mm. Um, I don't think it was about his um, attacking profile because... The thing that Sessnyong is good at in in offense is really kind of negated by Sun being on the same flank as him. Um, I talked about this this um, this narrative about Sun and Perisic not being able to play on the same side as each other because Perisic gets in Sun's way, but I think actually Sun gets in Sessnyong's way because if you're you know you're Harry Kane, you're Kulusevski, you move into the right channel and you're looking to pick out someone um, in the opposite, you know, over on the left side of the far post. It's going to be Sun. You're not going to pass it to Sesson Young, right? So what's the point of Sesson Young's ability to move into those kind of areas, or whatever? Um, I thought Sesson Young sort of did okay with those kind of movements, and and our one good chance of the first half. Oh no, we had we had Kane's header as well. Mm. Um, uh, came from Sesson Young moving diagonally across and then actually feeding Sun in. Um, so I suspect it was just a defensive thing. It was a big game thing. It was an energy levels and intensity thing. Is why he went for Sesson Young, and I wasn't mm. completely shocked to see it. Mm. Um, the, the the first thing that went through my mind when I saw the team line up was, ah, that's a shame for the set pieces. Because, you know, one thing you can say mm. about Perisic is his delivery is fairly consistent. Um, and he has created a lot of chances from corners with his delivery. Uh, Sun's been doing okay at that as well. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, want, I want to talk about the the approach. You've touched on it already, Nathan, but I'll, I'll read out this... Um, email we got from James Sullivan in order to to allow us to jump off it. So James says, we all know we need better players, but this loss was on Conte. We were outnumbered in midfield and their players had so much time on the ball. It was an unacceptable approach for a derby, whatever the personnel. Even worse, there was little to no in-game management to react to the huge imbalance in midfield. I think Conte knows this, hence his sheepest post-match interview. The current way of playing isn't working, so for Conte to stay, he needs to make some changes to our system. Otherwise, just get Poch back and at least we can enjoy Spurs a bit. This is soulless. And I I had a few messages from friends as well saying, you know, we're, we're going to be outnumbered in midfield in this game pre-match. And my response was, it's kind of the point. Like, I don't think Conte cares about giving up midfield territory or superiority. It's, if anything, he wants the opposition to have the ball in midfield so that he can counterattack on them. Um, so I don't think he would have been concerned about being outnumbered three to two. I don't think he'd have been concerned about how much of the ball Hoybier and Saar were to have. It's about sort of how they use it when they have it. Um, but what did you guys think? Um, I, I, I think that this game um, hurts more than other games, right? But stylistically, tactically, is very similar to what we've been seeing a lot of this season. Um, 
It, it hurt more, Nathan, I think, because it was the first half we were so comprehensively beaten down. Yeah, yeah. We have this trend of, of a, you know, a game of two halves, right? I am finding it increasingly hard to to come up with any reason why this isn't a significant fitness issue, right? This trend happens again and again in every match. Um, so for it to be the case that it's a tactical problem, where every match we come out and there's a there's a um a sort of positional issue in the way that we're trying to um press the opposition in the first half and then in the at half time Conte brilliantly recognizes it and alters it and fixes it and then we go out and and then that's how we win the second half doesn't stand up over over doing that game after game after game yeah um the idea that this is um like completely deliberate that we that we could um that we could simply compete for the ball through both halves um if we wanted to but we're trying to draw them in to to exert themselves or whatever um that seems risky it seems risky but it seems foolish to keep doing it after it's failed multiple times in a row right so for me there's got to be some kind of fitness issue that this keeps happening that we that, that our players are consciously or unconsciously saving themselves for the second half because they know that if they go too hard, um, they will tie themselves out. And I think that that is what we saw against uh, the Aston Villa game um, where we pinned them back for the opening 45, but didn't actually create great chances with it because it was Hill's first start and he didn't find himself physically in the game. Um, and then we were fatigued and, and Villa um, put two passes in the second half. I, I think I think we're afraid of that. I think we're both consciously and unconsciously afraid of that. So we're saving ourselves for the second half. Um, the problem with that is that you keep giving yourselves mountains to to climb to come back from. I I feel like I feel like it's not so bad that it's the case that um, we are completely physically outdone by our opponents. Um, we're not like at a fitness and freshness level below our opposition. What I feel is this. Um, Conde has succeeded again and again in in games in which he's not in European competition. The exception being his title-winning season Inter, where okay they were in the Champions League, but they crashed out of it immediately with one win in the group stage. So, uh, and you also have a strong tendency not throughout because he's played um, three-five-two again at Inter, um, but a tendency to play with a two-man midfield. I feel like in order for Conte's football to work, he needs his midfield especially when it's a two-man midfield, to have a significant fitness advantage over the opposition. And when that advantage is even neutralised, you've got a 3v2 in midfield and you're just going to continually lose the ball. So I don't think it's the case that we're badly unfit. I don't think it's the case that we're badly exhausted. We're just not so much better than the opposition this season with all the amount of football that we've been playing um, that we can run over them for both halves of the game. We can only run over them for 45 minutes. And I think that we really struggle when we can't do that. Yeah, I also think there's a significant significant problem when we have the football. I think it is as poor a Tottenham team with the ball that I can remember. I think across the pitch from from Sun through to Kane at moments, the rest of the team, the back three, the goalkeeper, the fullbacks. I haven't, I can't remember a Spurs team this poor and this weak and this this easy to press. It's in, incredible how we'll just crumble. So we we can't break down teams and we can't we can't resist the press either. I'm not convinced by that because I feel like. You know the the times that we've come back is when the opposition's sitting deep and and we've we've given it to them when we've come back late in games um and like you know <laughs> don't get me wrong 
I'm not trying to take any positives away from the North London <laughs> derby, right? But in the second half, we did take it to the team who are currently top on the table. We did have 60% of the possession. We did have almost all of the shots and in good locations. Again, I'm not saying I'm happy. I'm not, I'm not saying that's good. I'm saying... But there's I'm a lot of game a, state there though, right? There's a of lot course of there is, state. of course there is. And that's the case for all of these as well. I'm not denying that. But I'm saying a team who are bad at the ball don't even create from those situations i i think that i'm I'm using i'm using that half and all the other second halves as like a data point to say we're capable we're tactically and technically um capable of taking it to teams um especially you know especially when they sit back but even if they try to press us and we play over the top or whatever like 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 in the palace game um i i think that I think that we have the capability. It, like, um, if you look at the the goals for and our goals against, and 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 the same with expected goals, it's pretty similar, pretty close. Um, and even Conte said this is like, oh, we're good at scoring goals, we're not good at defending. I don't think that's good analysis. I think that our problem is that we just don't control the game anywhere near enough as we need to. I I'm not what I. Sorry, the something I meant to make earlier is like examining examining the differences between two performances. Is, is I didn't want to put that down to um, a mental thing. I didn't. I don't look at this team, and I'm I hated that game, right? But I don't look at this team and see the same things that I, I've seen at the worst times before under Mourinho, under Sherwood, where it's clear to me that the players have given up on the coach and, yeah, and don't agreed. play anymore. I'm not seeing that because again of the, these comebacks. This isn't a team who like are going out there and they can't be bothered for the first half. They're not going out there and they're too arrogant about the first half. Oh, it'll be fine because they would have learned that lesson by now if that was the case. For me, the only explanation um, is that there is a periodization issue. And I and I also accept that this is slightly different. Sorry. I also accept that it's a slightly difficult conversation to have um, because our fitness coach recently passed away. And you've got to, you know, we don't want to say uncomfortable um, things about someone who recently died. But I think that it's continued, you know, both before and after his death, that this is an issue um, that has been with Conte for a long while. This is why in the video, I'm pretty sure it's a free one that I put out. I put out a free video um, and I went back and I looked at his Chelsea side as well as looking at our struggles this season. And it's it's the ability to compete for the second ball um, for, for significant periods of time throughout games whenever Conte is playing twice a week. There's something wrong with the fitness, the freshness, the numbers in midfield. All in combination means that, that his teams get run over. I think for me, the, um, the, the biggest issue in recent weeks when we've not been getting results is that the style is just so painful to watch. Um, and I think you can make excuses. I think you can allow it when you're, when you're winning. I think you can say, you know, this is, this is fine. We're getting results. It's doing what needs to be done. And we, we're scoring some good goals because Kulosevsky is great at cutting in and bending the, bending the ball into the, the far corner. And, you know, Kane's a wonderful passer of the ball and so on gets into things. As soon as you start losing and not scoring many goals, you, you look at the style and you compare it to other teams and you think, these players can't be enjoying this because I'm certainly not as a fan. You know, watching Arsenal pop it around yesterday, you know, everyone knows where everyone is. There's like a, a fluidity in their one and two touch passing and movement. And we get the ball and the, the sole aim is to push the ball back to literally our goal line to draw Arsenal onto us and then attempt to play out from that. In a very sort of stop-start way, um, it's not fluid, it's not one and two touch, it's clunky, it's quite slow. 
um, you know, the central midfielders get the ball and they're told to pass it backwards, you know, pass it to Lloris, draw the opposition onto you to then create space in behind. And, you know, chin and the ball gets chipped forward and we compete for second balls. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick. I'm just sick of that style now. Um, I think that that can be beautiful football. I think that, that you know, last season we did some magnificent things playing that way. I think Conte teams historically, I, I, you know, and I point to De Zerbi, uh, at Brighton playing not the same way but with similar principles of drawing the opposition out I think that you can play really wonderful football that way the problem is that we're shit at it we're, we're lacking the energy to apply it properly um, and even in terms of like drawing the opposition out by letting them have the ball and sitting deep again it's something I'm very critical of Mourinho for and I'd be very critical of almost all coaches for I give Conte a pass because he's so good at playing out from those situations we've really struggled to play out from those situations this season significantly because Romero's been missing a lot Kulisewski's been missing a lot here comes this game we've got both of them um but Arsenal set up really well to contain us um it didn't do a perfect job. We still had some presence from those situations. Um, but teams are are doing a better job, I think, of keeping us pinned in again because I think it's a fitness issue. And also, I'd just like to flag, when we're scoring a shitload of goals. It's not like we're not creating chances. Like we've said, we're creating chances and scoring goals. I think the biggest problem with Tottenham at the moment is is defensively we're, we're, we're a mess. And um, we, we have individuals who are, who are giving up four or five goals this season through, through mistakes. That, that, that opening goal that Arsenal scored, that, that we scored for Arsenal, was... Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something else. That is, that's ineptitude at the highest level. That's like the Lloris goal when he, when he broke his elbow against Brighton. I don't know what he was doing. And you can't... You can't... Your manager can't keep... You, you, the team can't keep bailing out players like that. Lloris and Dyer, for example. They've given away so many goals this year. We can't keep bailing players out, especially not against a good team. I think we all agree now that Lloris has to come out of this team, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Should have come out at the start the, of the season. Yeah, to the extent you want to see Forster starting games. Yeah. From that, he's yeah. our number one. He's our number one goalkeeper. I think, uh, I think I might be there. And I think that is really telling because I don't think that he's great. <laughs> I don't no. think especially, yeah. Um, but I think that's really telling of our situation that our sort of mediocre backup goalkeeper, we all agree, should be starting at this stage. And, and, and the thing is, it's not just about the catastrophic errors, which, you know, have been present for the last few years but seem to have stepped up a level again this year. It's as much his ability on the ball, which is, it's, it creates nervousness in our back line, um, which then translates throughout the whole team. He, he's just not good enough with his feet. Nope. It and, undoes um, the way that we want to play in those situations, doesn't it? Totally. It does. And, and Arsenal scored their second goal because Lloris was, he dilly did dally. He should have gone short early, but he was he's lost all his confidence, so he didn't. And he ended up going long and our midfield wasn't in position. Kane got doubled up and then the ball came back the other way and we were all out of position. It was because Lloris didn't pass the ball out properly and he ended up having to punt it. And he punts it because he panics. And it's just, Fraser Forster is right now is a better shot stopper and he's definitely better with his feet. He's not a good goalkeeper. He's no way he should be our number one long term for next season. But right now, I just think he's less of a calamity than Lloris. I, I can't see Conte dropping Luis though. You know, the way he speaks about him, he he seems to love it. In the same way that we've we've been frustrated with him sticking with Real, there's some sort of loyalty there that he wants he loves Luis and wants to keep him in the team no matter what. Royale's um, not been cost Royale's been causing us problems, but he's not individually been costing us points. Luis is now at a situation where he costs us points regularly. Yeah. 
I think Royale's else cost us points, but that's, that's a minor point to be trying to get into. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. Um, but having said all this, and yes, we, the Reese was a, absolutely abysmal in that first, like unacceptably bad on that first. Goal. And the second, the second was a, it was a decent strike. It was all right, but it wasn't, it wasn't a daisy cutter. It wasn't Tom Huddleston. It wasn't something which was unstoppable. A Forster saves that. A a mid level goalkeeper saves that. Nick Pope, who was available for a free transfer this summer, he saves that. I'm willing to give him a pass on the second goal. On the first no, no. goal, I'm absolutely not. I'm absolutely not. Um, but he made a decent save in the second half, guys. He he, he did. He <laughs> did. Reese, I, I he think did. I stopped watching. I think I was. I think <laughs> yeah, I think right. I'd gone. I I I I just want to make the point that irrespective of the mistakes from Lloris, we were so it was men against boys in that first half. But when you Arsenal can't. Were. You can't hand initiative to a team like Arsenal. You can't give. You can't. Arsenal's pure plan. What Newcastle did to Arsenal was the kind of the blueprint. Is you don't. You just frustrate them. You frustrate them, and you don't let them score, and they'll lose their minds. They have a manager who's so highly strung that the moment things turn against him, the whole team panics. They're a young team. They're inexperienced. You don't. You just don't give them a one 0 head start. You don't give them a two 0 head start. We we perfectly. We played the perfect game. If you could have asked Arteta what we were going to do, he would have said that, and it was a. Perfect Perfect match for Arsenal. And then but they just it, sat back and managed it. But they, you know, the 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 balance of play before the goal, the the way they were moving us around, they had us in the palm of their hands. We just looked, we looked like we, we couldn't cope with them. And, uh, and look, I know that they're, they're, they're playing, like, don't get me wrong, Arsenal were, they're, prob- they're probably playing the best football in the league right now. So it was always going to be a difficult game. <laughs> but we're paying our coach 50 million quid a year. It's got nothing to do with it. It's to like be able to coach, we pay some uh, two hundred grand a year, uh, two hundred grand a week. It's got nothing. The money doesn't have anything to do with it. Conte being paid that much is is not something you can hit him with. No, no, no you can't. You absolutely can. Okay. Like he has. To, like you're okay. You're you're. He he made out after the game that we'd been planning for this all week. That we'd had we had a plan in place to to stop Arsenal, and yet we saw Odegaard constantly in space in front of our penalty area what I, I don't understand what what's he attempting to do there what you know this is this is their most creative probably their best player is constantly receiving the ball to feet around the edge of the box and being able to feed others what what's his answer to that what's you know he Conte has to earn his money as well I, I just don't understand I don't understand how it how it was that bad in the first half and don't get me wrong I thought the second half was a massively improved performance but like I said Arsenal could afford to essentially sit back and play on the counter in the second half because they're two goals clear away from home. They you know they can do what they want at that point. Sure. And sure, they you know they 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 did they rode it out a little and Ramsdale made some good saves and we created some reasonable chances. Um but like I said that they, they, they could afford to do that at that stage. The the when when the game was even they were miles better than us. When they were one goal up they were miles better than us. You know, it was just it was a real um it felt like a barometer of where they are compared to where we are, and it made things even more depressing. Um, and then you start reflecting on, you know, <laughs> where does this go from here? Where 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 do we go as a club from this position? Um, and, and I think we do need to have a conversation about whether it is the right time to sack Conte now, um, which we'll do. But first, we better uh, talk about our partners. We are we are happy once again to be partnered uh, for. 2023 with Athletic Greens. So I started taking AG1 because I like to be alive and healthy. 
Spurs don't win anything very often, so the best chance of seeing us win something is by looking after my health and staying alive as long as possible. AG1 is good for your health. <laughs> What's good for your health is good for your life expectancy. I drink AG1 because I look after myself. I support Tottenham because I've no choice. But I make good choices elsewhere, which is why I do drink AG1. Water, vitamin D, a squeeze of lemon and a scoop of AG1. Shake it like you're shaking Larissa or making yet another mistake and get it in you. Enjoy, AG1. <laughs> It's cheaper than getting all the supplements yourself and it supports better sleep quality and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
I I think that it was an easy job to not be Allegri, (laughs) but he did do it, to be fair. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's enough. I think think we can expect more. Um, And what was the other point I was going to make? But you can't. Conte can't mitigate a serious drop off in t- in terms of players who've just fallen off a cliff, from Son to to Hugo. I think Kane. Kane is probably as good as he's always been. Is it? Has he improved? I don't know. He's doing he's doing better things. But I don't think I don't think Conte can take credit for that. I think I don't think you can fire Conte just based on on results. I think perhaps he overachieved last season. Is the third thing the things that he says in the press, Wendy? So the, the, yeah, I think. Um... There's two other issues. There's the, there's the way he talks about the club, which which irks at me, and I just think it's unnecessary. I he think said he so- was happy with the performance after the game, by the way, yeah, in case just, you missed that. Just weird. Just weird. He praised Arsenal for their brilliance, and that yeah. we were, you know, what? we should be proud to have done all right. Like, what do you want him to say, Wendy? Do you want him to come out and say everybody's a dickhead, like, and then go full Jose, and then you'll still complain about him? I I want him to not act as if he is above the club. Once in a while, it'd be nice if he just wasn't a twat about his standing in the club. Um, and the other thing is this contract situation. I just don't think it's tenable that you can have a manager who has months left in his contract and won't commit one way or another um, to the project that he he claims to want to oversee. If you want to oversee it, sign a, sign an extension, even if it's just a year. A year's a year. A year's not a long time in football. Just sign on for a little bit longer, and then we can back you. I I, I think this position is is too delicate. Like we can't we can't do this. Um, and the other point I, I would make is I think people talk about this as if it's the end of the world, as if like if Conte goes, we're screwed. Like, no, we're we're a massive, massive club with untold wealth and a stadium that brings in enormous revenue every single match. We don't need to worry about getting relegated anytime soon. We're gonna be just fine. Um the problem is what do we want to achieve next? And that's where, you know, we've had this conversation so many times. There is no strategy at this club for continuity. There's no strategy to build towards something. There is a, there's no joined up thinking around the resources at our disposal and how we get the best out of them. There's no joined up thinking around the academy, the recruitment, uh, the way we appoint managers, the way we sign players. Um, and, and until that is fixed, we're going to constantly be in this state of flux. But I think that, we we could start right now, day one of changing that strategy and actually having a strategy. But I do think that would involve sacking Conte. So you sack you sack Conte to give the to give Tottenham Hotspur focus on what they need to do in the future. Sorry, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think because I think you do need a long term approach, and I don't think Conte is part of that. I also, as simplistic as it sounds, you know, we talk, we had that long conversation at the start about. You, you appoint a manager that plays a back three and that's how you mitigate signing players for a Conte system. How many managers play back th- a back three nowadays? You're limiting your pool tremendously. Um, you know, so, some people on, on Twitter seem to think that number th- uh, playing with a back three is just dead now. Like, you're not going to... There are no successful teams who play with a back three. I don't personally subscribe to that theory. I think you can play a back three and, and still play a positional play model, which is absolutely fine. Um but I do think you're limiting your pool significantly if you're signing players for a back three and then requiring a manager to come in and pick pick up the pieces. I um, I think the reason that a lot of Spurs fans feel that if we sack Conte, um, 
we're in significant trouble is is Kane is the fear that Kane will leave if we sack Conte. Um, but the idea being that we sort of managed to keep Kane around because we brought in Mourinho, who's a, a big name, and he was excited to work on the Mourinho. We brought in Conte because he's a big name and he was excited to work on the Conte. Fact of the matter is, the situation right now, why would Kane stick around for the summer? Yeah. Right. If we if we finish, where are we in the table right now? Fifth. Right. So if we finish probably sixth or seventh, playing like this, um, why is Con- why is Kane going to want to stay uh, as it is anyway? I think that. Um, yeah. I think it's... at this stage I wouldn't hold it against him. I think that the club have failed him. Um, and I, so I, yeah. I'm all right with Kane going. I've I've come to terms with it. I don't care anymore. Kane can go. I'm in the, I'm in that kind of mood with everybody. I don't like. I didn't like that sentence like we we've let Kane down. He's let us down plenty of times as well. I think loads of them have. I would not be against sell Sun, sell Kane, get rid of Conte, start again, let's reset, and then have a proper painful build rebuild. Fuck it, let's yeah. do it. Why not? I'll do it. I'm in for that. I'm I'm still either way, right? I'm still I'm still saying we could do that. That's a completely legitimate thing. Or we can say no, we want to make the thing with Conte work. So this window in the next two weeks, we're going to spend a lot of money on a right wing back. We're going to bring in. Okay, we don't need the Kulusevski backup maybe now because we have Hill. Therefore, we're going to get a creative central midfielder so that Conte can play a three four a, a three man midfield if that's what's necessary for us to be able to compete for balls in midfield. Um, we're going to buy a backup right centre back. Um, because Romero is out injured half the time and Davinson Sanchez cannot play football. And um, we're going to think very seriously about whether we also need to buy a backup goalkeeper this same window. I'm talking about four big signings in January, and that is a very difficult thing to do. Two weeks left in the window. We're talking about a hell of a lot of money. But in my opinion, if you don't get three of those, there's no point There's no point continuing with Conte. I agree. I okay, agree. so now... We we always go after the Enoch outlook for for not having a plan. When do you you fire Conte? What do you do? You rehire Poch? I don't think it has to be Pochettino. I mean, I think it would be quite Pochettino. I think that's. I mean, I think it feels like um, Pochettino is waiting for the Tottenham job to come back up. And you know, from all the reporting, it seems like Levy thinks there's unfinished business there. So I do think it would be Pochettino, but I don't think it needs to be. I, I think there are plenty of progressive managers that you could you could choose who would be. He would be just fine. Um, and, and I often hear the argument, oh, Spurs fans won't tolerate a, a, someone who's not a big name. And I kind of think, so what? Just who cares what the fan like? Who cares what the fans think? They'll, they'll get used to it. Like, as long as the football's good, ultimately, that's, that's, the, that's what the fans will care about. Like, when we, when we first got Pochettino, a lot of people turned their noses up at him. And within six months, people were saying, oh, now I see why we appointed him. Like, we're actually playing some really good stuff. You can see how much he's improving players. You can see the system and, and the way it's, 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 it's building and growing and, and players seem to be understanding their roles. Fans get over that kind of thing pretty quick. I don't think we need to necessarily go for a name just to appease the fans. I, I think that's much... what we've gone wrong. I think, yeah. you know, probably appeasing Kane rather than the fans or appeasing Levy's perception of what a good coach is. But we've been going for names. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I don't I don't know about Kane and what he'll choose to do, but it can't be much fun for him at the moment playing this style of football and, and not getting much of the ball and like not getting many... I don't know. He's scoring goals. Kane's had a good, pretty good season, but it can't be much fun to play in this team, playing for one half every game. Um, and, you know, he'll be watching Arsenal and Newcastle and Brighton and uh, other City, of course, teams that are playing better stuff with their 
their central strikers a bit more involved, perhaps. And and he'll probably be thinking like, I could, I could be doing that. I could be I could be excelling in one of those teams. Uh, Kane's going to go or not go, and I don't think the decision over whether we hang on to Conte or not will have a much of an influence over it. As Nathan said, we're we're probably going to finish outside the top four at this stage. He's got to think about what he does for the rest of his career. He's he's getting to that point now where he's going to be post peak pretty soon. Um, yeah, I don't think we should base any decisions around Harry Kane, frankly. I'd sell him for eighty million pounds to buy Munich this summer. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I think that yeah, um, our chance to um, be the kind of club who can hold on to Kane has has passed us by, and that we fumbled it. Um, if you want specific names, yeah, Pochettino is a, a, a perfectly good option. Um, I still think that he's a very good coach. I like Deservey at Brighton, but he's mm. midway through a season. I like Ange Postacoglu, a Celtic, but he's midway through a season. Um, Ruben Amorim, maybe, maybe. I need to think about him some more. Um, I think that's probably it. Obviously, I liked Ten Hag and Potter before. Uh, yeah. Ten Hag is, 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 is on fire. You know, good for him. Um, maybe, maybe Potter's going to be sacked from Chelsea, but I am drawing a hard line. No more former Chelsea managers. Let's yeah. Not. Especially not Tuchel. He's fucking weird. Oh yeah. Tuchel as well is, uh, probably a very good coach, but apparently maybe a Tottenham fan. But um, all his former players talk about what a dickhead he is, so yeah. don't don't need that. Yeah, Bardi, how do you feel about Pochettino coming back in? Um, I'm probably quite against it, but um, I don't mind if you two are, are for Pochettino. I, I don't mind for once being the one who's who's anti our manager. He's not, not my hashtag, not my manager. So I do, don't do, do do you feel like it would sort of galvanise the fan base a little? No, I don't think so. I think it probably splits it even more. I I still remember Pochettino's last eighteen months, apart from the Champions League, which was miserable. We not winning away from home, treading water in the league, not going anywhere. His weird press conferences, his weird comments, and everything else. Um, no, that's still quite fresh in my mind. The the sour end to it, which I think a, a lot of it was on him as well. Mm. I I happen to agree with that as well. I think his, his the, the winks to Soko midfield that he insisted on sticking with was one of the worst things I've seen. Um, Spurs do since they became good um, I, I couldn't comprehend or get my head around it but I definitely feel as though um, it's really difficult because it's very speculative but I don't think Pochettino is in a great place uh, and, I, and I think that like, he just didn't look a particularly happy or well man by the end of his time at Spurs mm. um, I think like it had probably just become all a bit too much like this it was a hell of a journey and um, it was a very difficult time for him I think um, and maybe some distance and some time away uh, and a break now after his time in, at PSG might have kind of refreshed him because I remember for the first couple of years like the energy and the positivity that he, he brought with him were just absolutely incredible I've never done anything like it I, th- I think that um, the reason I'm okay with him coming back would be because we have a director of football now and yeah. he would have to work under the director of football um, structure and that he would have to accept players that weren't his first choice yes you know they were the ones i still have i'm still not like settled like oh paratagi is definitely good at what he does (laughs) right um i'm still i'm still a little up in the air about that i think um but under the idea that we should have a good director of football and we do have a director of football but has to come in and any other future manager we have um, we have to move past the days and this applies to Conte very much so as well we have to move past the days where the manager is is 
is having the most dominant say on our recruitment because I think that that is just completely outdated. Mm. Um, so uh, this is a conversation you and I, Wendy, have had back and forth a lot is how much po- Pochettino himself was responsible for our lack of action, especially in the 2018 window, but generally in our in our yeah. failure to do anything in midfield for a long period of time until yeah. it was too late. Um, if... if uh, and I know how you feel that that he was significantly responsible for that. Um, then that's why I feel like a director of football does a lot to to mitigate um, those issues. So on that basis, I'm saying back Conte or Poch back. Mm. I think there's it's been kind of doom and gloom, but I do think there's a there is some positivity around Tottenham. We do have some really good players who are in their mm. early twenties, mid twenties. So when we say this is the end of the road, if we sat Conte, I do think there is there is a future there with Tottenham. But it's oh, just for sure, for sure. It just needs somebody to really swing the axe and Levy has to Levy has to get some of these players out. As much as it means signing players, we need to get players out. Yeah, you're right. We we do have some some really really good talents, um, and I do I think there's like a, a new coach could could shape this squad into something quite exciting quite quickly with just a few tweaks around the edges, um, and I think the centre back would be absolutely critical to that. Um, but you know, you look at Kulusevski and Bentancur and Romero and Spence potentially and Udogi potentially. Um, and Brian Hill, I think, is a talent. Saar looks a good player. There's definitely some some potential and talent there to create something pretty good. And then, you know, you've got Kane and Son, who, if you hold on to them, are good players. And, and Son will get back to being a good player. I don't, I don't believe that Son is dead as a player. I think there's a lot of talent there. Um, there's a lot of possibilities. But there is also some surgery to do, you know. And, it, I, and, and Levy's decision now is whether he wants that surgery to happen for Conte or for someone else. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.